0: Hi, I'm Michaela Loach. And I'm Rebecca. And this is the Yikes Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Yikes podcast, the podcast about all the things that make us yikes, from climate injustice to refugee issues to so many other things, um, all the oppressive systems of the world, all these overwhelming topics that can make us wanna yikes and run away. But instead, we want to encourage you to lean into that yikes, lean into that emotion and transform that into action in some way. Today we
1: have the wonderful um Mary Anise Hegler um, on the pod As a yeah, we we love her. Um she's so funny on Twitter. We're both uh our listeners to the podcast that she co-hosts, um, hot takes and also subscribers of their newsletter. Uh, which comes out once a week, uh, and you should definitely sign up to, and all of that jazz. And yeah, we just we're just so looking forward to this episode. We're talking all things about rage and green trolling, and explain what that is, um, and just generally like how like emotions are so important and are at the heart of the climate crisis, and how to just channel that to cause you know the fossil
0: food industry to have a bad shitty day so yes yes we want. i again. loved this conversation so much mm. we laughed we were challenged it was just so great very so honestly amazing um and if you're not listening to hot take i don't know what you're doing if you're not subscribed to the newsletter i don't know what you're doing um it's this conversation was just so great so i hope everyone mm. enjoys it um so without further ado um we hope you enjoy this conversation
1: today we are just really excited because we have a special guest and we have a fantastic topic which feels very prominent in this country plague island where we live well two of us, and generally in this world uh, the state of the world rage so hi mary hi, hi. i'm so excited to have you on <laughs> and just talk about rage fossil fuel trolling on twitter everything that um you know we we love to do but um yeah like I don't know. Do you want to start us off with something that has made you rage recently?
2: Um, yeah. (laughs) So I've been raging at the American Petroleum Institute on the Twitter machine. Mm. Um, they, Mm -hmm. uh, so yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, um, and they had a lot of god-awful graphics on their page about St. Patrick's Day (laughs) and how they've been fueling America since 1962, even though that was Mm. three years after they learned about climate change for the first time and also on the Mm. day that, like, eight people, including six Asian women, were murdered in the country. And I was like, Mm. you know what? No, you don't get to get away with that.
1: Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So that's that's been wow. a big... And the API, um, American Petroleum Institute, is kind of like the cartel of fossil fuel companies, at least in the mm. United States. Um, and actually abroad because, you know, they've been behind so many wars and so many interventions across the country. And mm-hmm. they deserve every mean thing that you could think of to say mm. to them.
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've been listening to, to Drilled a lot recently. Mm-hmm. I've like been listening to Drilled, which your co-host of, um, Hot Take, Emmy West about, um, hits. Yeah. And, um, I've learned a lot about the API from listening to Drilled, yeah. Drilled and how horrific they yeah. are and how they get away with so much
1: bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I listen, yeah, I listen to your podcast while I'm running and, and like, I feel like that just kind of fuels <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> Because I listened to so much about like the force of you, and I was just like, "What is happening?" Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's mind blowing.
2: You're my hero for being able to listen to a podcast while you run. I've tried it so many times, and I just end up walking. So,
1: (laughs) Mm. I mean, mean, maybe that's also why I'm listening to them. But
2: (laughs) I need to listen to like music from horror movies while I run.
0: I mean, that's a great tip because I can't even run full stop. So if if I start listening to horror music, it will make me run because I'll have the fear. Yeah, yeah, it helps. (laughs) Wow. Um, so, Mary, I'd love to hear, like, what does climate rage mean to you? And what does rage as an emotion mean to you? And why do you think it's something that's important to talk about yeah. um, within this movement? Yeah, uh,
2: climate rage means everything to me. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, it is. Um, I think of it as a part of a cycle of grief that we're all kind of going through. Right. So climate grief is like any other type of grief where you have your bargaining stage you have your denial phase your despair your anger um and then the at the end there's ultimately supposed to be acceptance and that's where climate grief is different because you can't get to acceptance um mm-hmm. and because one the planet's still here you're still here it's not over um but also I can't accept this like I can't accept mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um that these powerful interests have the power to just kill us all like there's no part of me mm-hmm. that can accept that because that's just giving up, in my opinion, um, and I can't go there. So and because you can't get to the end of the cycle, you keep going through the cycle over and over and over again, right? So for me personally... Anger is the most productive face. Um, there can be times where despair is productive, too. Um, but for the most part, it's the anger that, like, gets me up and gets me going. Um, and I think there's a lot to be angry about here. Um, I think for a very long time, climate climate change was not a victimless crime. It was a villainless crime. Because we didn't mm-hmm. talk about who did it. Um, it was always, like, you know, we blamed regular people for not recycling or for not turning off their lights. And since like 2018, we've started talking about who's actually responsible. And once you know who that is, it's so much easier to rage against them. Um, And I think that's important for the sake of accountability, for the sake of healing, for the sake of solving this problem, to know who to hold accountable. Um, And Mm -hmm. to know that like, What I think of when I, like, I rage against the fossil fuel industry the most. Um, uh, There's also elected leaders that should be raged against. There's, like, animal agriculture. There's so many other places, too. I choose to target the fossil fuel industry because they knew decades before anybody Mm. else knew about climate change. Mm. Furthermore, like even if they didn't know about climate change, you know that digging up oil is wrong because you have to colonize all these other places. You have to forcibly remove people from their land. You have to bomb them. You have to destabilize their countries. You have to like take clean water and make it undrinkable for generations, right? So they're accountable Mm -hmm. for a lot more than climate change and this whole like, oh, sorry, our bad. We didn't know, now we're gonna do better. Why on earth would I ever trust you to do anything? There's Mm. centuries, or at least one full century. I don't know exactly how long they've been around. But there's at least one full century of them being the literal worst people on the planet. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I don't know how you look at that and not be angry.
0: Mm. That is so true. So, Joe and I actually met doing direct action around climate stuff. And that was when the Guardians um, series, The Polluters, came Mm -hmm. out, where they talked about the 20 um, companies responsible for a third of all greenhouse gas emissions since um, the pre-industrial era. And I remember seeing that and being like, grateful to have something to direct the anger towards. Mm -hmm. Because I think before that, I hadn't been as aware of, how much responsibility was literally just on the fossil fuel industry yeah. and these like people who've mm-hmm. known about this for so long mm-hmm. um and what you're saying there about this cycle and not being able to get to that acceptance part I've never heard of it spoken about in that way and for me this makes all of it make yeah. sense like you you can't accept something that's carrying yeah. on and that people are still profiting from and benefiting from mm-hmm. and that is just destroying our whole world. It's just, yeah, it's something that I re- I think a lot of us refuse to accept yeah. and we shouldn't accept. Yeah. Um, and therefore, I guess, yeah, rage is an, Im- is an important part of just allowing yourself to feel that as well and the reality of what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, just even talking about the hospital industry makes me so angry. Yeah. <laughs> My whole body starts, like, shaking. Yeah, you are just going to punch things.
1: like, how? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, you do. Yeah. I think that's why yeah, I sometimes find really hard in certain climate spaces where, like, Where, like, I just want us all to be just, like, outraged and, like, angry. And then, like, someone is, like, but think about the positive changes we've done. I'm, like, yeah. Yeah. But that's not my focus right now. Like, can we just be angry for once? Like, allow me to be angry. Yeah. Because, like, why wouldn't I be angry, right? And, like, Mm. I mean, I think in Germany, like, there was just, like, more approval for, like, workers and, like, a coal mine. And, like, they continue to do these things. I'm, like, why wouldn't I be angry? Yeah. Like, and why aren't Mm. you angry? Like, okay, like of course there's place and I'm sure also you know we can talk about when is it when should we maybe have a limit of of our rage to not let it consume all of us so we're not just angry Mm -hmm. which I I completely see and all of that but like this this world is a mess right and I just want to sometimes be allowed to direct my anger at someone and like I also like feel like I'm sometimes need to have people around me to hold my anger and just be like, yeah, yeah, valid. yeah, Let it out, girl, mm-hmm. let it out, you know? Yeah. So I, th- I think
2: that's part of the problem with having the conversation around climate change be so scientific for so long. Um, because mm. science is like, it's precise, it's rigid. There are right and wrong answers. When it comes to mm. emotions, there's no right or wrong way to feel. You know, people ask me yeah. that all the time about like, so how do we avoid feeling, you know false hope or feeling this or feeling that it's like feel how you feel there is no right Mm -hmm. or wrong way to feel and the way you feel on Monday is not how you're going to feel on Friday way you feel on Monday morning might not match how you feel on Monday afternoon that's not how feelings work they are (laughs) Mm. (laughs) they're fluid they change (laughs) and they're fine there's no right or wrong way to feel about climate change um like Mm. I mean I I can't give up I can't go into just like What's the word like dereliction of duty? Um, so mm-hmm. I, if there is a wrong way to feel, I, that's probably it. Um, but or guilty is probably a wrong way to feel, but also I just mm-hmm. don't think mm-hmm. that. Any, It's useful to apply that rubric to how we feel about this. And I think that that is, again, it's, it's this problem of looking at this as just a simply scientific problem. It's not. It's a social problem. It's an injustice. And the science just mm. proves the injustice. It's so much bigger than just like put the different power supply in the different power slot. That's not what's going to fix this. This is so much bigger. And it's fine to feel hope about it right? It's fine to look at the positive changes sometimes, but we do not all have to feel the same way. And we do not all have to be focused on the same thing. This is a big, all-encompassing problem and we're all going to bring different things to it. So I would love for people in the climate space to stop judging one another for how they feel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause also all of us have complete, if we think about how different people process a different type of grief like more normal grief Mm -hmm. Um, not everyone processes that in the same way and we should never expect someone to grieve in the same way and so we probably shouldn't be doing that with people around climate and how we feel about climate but so often we do I know so many spaces that I've come into and everyone's been like this is a hopeful space and everyone must immediately feel hope exit (laughs) 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 I'm like I can't do this (laughs) like I'm sorry but no like I'm not going to force myself to change Mm, my feelings right now because sometimes sometimes yeah well, different emotions can be useful in different times mm-hmm. but if that emotion isn't actually how you feel at that time is that going to help you be motivated to do the work a lot of the time no no if I'm forcing myself to feel hope then a lot of the time I'm channeling energy that I could be channeling elsewhere into really having to force my change of emotions yeah um what you're saying about um science and climate I think that's such an important point because so often people. Sp- people generally see the climate crisis as this big scientific thing Mm -hmm. but when we just make it about the science um so often we remove the important parts that are like justice based and emotional and that emotions should be allowed to step in and it becomes this objective thing where emotions aren't allowed to be there Mm -hmm. but a lot of the time that's just like a silencing tool for the kind of justice areas around it um I think that's a really important point that you said that. Yeah. yeah,
2: I think it's also important to think about like who benefits from making it strictly scientific, and the fossil fuel mm-hmm. industry benefits from that because science is confusing; not everyone gets it. Um, it is quite it's it's a very elite expertise type of language, right? That like. Um, not everyone is able to understand. I am not... I did horrible in science in school. Um, and it's just like people feel like, well, I'm not smart enough to get involved. I'm not smart enough mm. to contribute anything. I don't have enough degrees. I don't know enough. I can't participate in this. And that keeps it as this niche sort of subject. Now, when you blow the door mm. open and call it an injustice, which is what it is, um, anybody... Can understand that the the smallest three year old understands that so and so got more candy than me, and that's not fair right like yeah. anybody can understand that and mm-hmm. the injustice preceded the scientific problem if you're really going to look at this like you can't look at mm-hmm. the iraq war or you know any of the oil wars that we've had over the centuries and not see that as an injustice long before the atmosphere starts changing this was an injustice mm-hmm. and we could have stopped mm-hmm. it then mm-hmm. or
0: yeah white people could have stopped it then mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because it, it's it's been extractive and extractivist mm-hmm. from day one. Yeah, like it's always been about extraction and oppression. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're so right. Before the atmosphere was even changing, it was a justice issue. Yeah. Um, and yet people now it it, it it both frustrates me. I know it's really important that we're talking about justice now, but it kind of frustrates me how people make out like climate climate crisis has just become a racial justice oh. issue has just become mm. it's like sis it's been this for a long yeah. time <laughs> it's always been this it's always been this it's just that
2: mm. finally people are are able to talk about it in public um and that changed very mm. recently um i mm. I first started writing about climate change um, in 2018, and in 2019, I published this essay that was about uh, connecting it to the civil rights movement and being like, people have fought for their lives before. Um, and the amount of trolling <laughs> that I got <laughs> for writing that essay was absurd. Now, fast mm-hmm. forward another year, I wrote something way more audacious. <laughs> Um, that was basically saying, if you don't see it as a justice issue, you are actually in climate denial. Um, and Mm -hmm. I was expecting to get a lot more trolling, um, after that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, been here before I can do this again. Nothing. Very, very Mm -hmm. little,
1: Mm -hmm. very little.
2: Yeah. So it has changed. I do believe that the conversation has matured. It's not where it needs to be. Um, But I do feel like after the 2018 report from the IPCC, the one that was like, we got 12 years, a lot of Mm -hmm. people of color just like rush through the door of the climate conversation into the climate movement, being like, "Okay, so clearly no one knows what they're doing here. Uh, we don't want to die like this, so <laughs> we're here and we're going to speak up." And that's just how this is going to be. And there was, there was like a moment of 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 growing up for the climate conversation and becoming more inclusive. And I feel like it's become a lot more normalized now. But Mm -hmm. yeah, where would we be if we hadn't had to fight that hard?
1: I guess that's like part of the whole like whitewashing of the climate crisis in general like and mm-hmm. I feel like even the like even the separation from emotions mm-hmm. um, and the purely like scientific is you know I, th- I think it speaks volume to like the general society that we live in even around like you know like the capitalist kind of like mm-hmm. very just like you know move on just like you you know work through it like actually just like brush it under the like under the Carpet, whatever you say, mm-hmm. under the carpet, you know, like take a bath and then you go and then you can like work, work, work and, you know, like move on and like not actually being able to, you know, to grieve, but also to like, yeah, step into those emotions. And I feel like when, when you can separate the signs from the emotions, clearly you're benefiting off the crisis and clearly you don't have any personal stakes at, at risk, right? Cause otherwise you wouldn't be able to, to separate those things. So yeah, I mean, I'm glad you're, um, you feel like the conversation is changing, yeah. like that's essential. <laughs> it, so. Yeah,
2: it's definitely changing. So in in 2019, I would like give talks here and there. Um, and my favorite ones was like, I would look out in the audience and see like the people of color, like sort of like having this look on their face of like, oh my God, I can't believe she just said that. And, like looking around at the white people in the audience <laughs> being like, are they going to flip out? <laughs> I don't know what's <laughs> happening here like they were like, "Oh my god, I've thought that for years," but she said it out loud in front of them. Mm. Oh my god. And that doesn't happen anymore. Um not here, but mm-hmm. this time last year I was uh, in England. I was in London and I gave a talk like that and I was seeing those same mm. looks on the people mm-hmm. of color's faces mm-hmm. in the audience and like seeing, you know, the white mm-hmm. folks like their shoulders were going up to their ears and they were like starting to turn a little <laughs> flush. And I, the person who was, who was interviewing me, was a, a person of color, was like, wow, I just feel like the conversation in the States is just so much more advanced. It's like 10 years advanced. i was like, no, it's one year because these looks I'm getting mm-hmm. here are the same looks I got over there. And yeah, it, it just changed really fast.
0: Mm. Mm. no it, i think it definitely has changed so far even joe if we think so this time last year we recorded an episode about ecofascism mm. um for the podcast oh um in response to how mm. yeah in response to how people were reacting to covid mm-hmm. actually just starting out and the the whole like the oh healing. my god yeah oh um, gosh. yeah i know like all that horrific ecofascist bullshit and i would say that like so and i've obviously spoken about ecofascism quite a lot over mm-hmm. that time and i do th- I still get like a lot of resistance Mm -hmm. when when Mm -hmm. talking about it, but it is going Mm -hmm. down. Like more people are realizing like, this is actually kind of racist. Like this is, and are accepting that and accepting Mm -hmm. that these things aren't separated. But I do even think that when Joe and I first released that episode, there was more pushback almost then than I think we're getting now. So things are changing quite quickly. Um, Mm -hmm. And that is really good to see that people are starting. I think now compared to, even if I say like, a year ago, or two years ago, two years ago, in climate spaces, I would say the climate crisis is a racial justice issue, and I'd get tons of response of, "We can't dilute mm-hmm. the movement. We can't talk about racial injustice because people already can't understand the climate right. crisis." Whereas I know now, in those same spaces, I can say the climate crisis is a racial justice issue, and people will just be like, "Yeah, yeah you're exactly." Right. <laughs> like, and that is a huge mm-hmm. change in mm-hmm. a very short period mm-hmm. of time. Um, and I'm, I think I'm just looking forward to seeing that change mm-hmm. more. Um, and it is it is great that how quickly that's happened but it's a shame that i don't know i don't know what it took in those 2 yeah. years because i don't i don't even think it was just the summer i think it was the summer of last year i think it was other things gradually but um, I'm grateful for whatever it was that caused that change because it's so important. Yeah
2: Yeah, and it was just such a long time coming. Um, I I also Mm. like I I keep going back to that IPCC report of 2018 because I also remember seeing a lot of prominent you know white scientists being like okay so clearly we have not succeeded. Um, like <laughs> maybe we should listen to some other people, um, and I, mm. I feel like you know folks of color were like, "Well, I have things to say," <laughs> mm. and sort of like stepping into that vacuum, um, and yeah, it's just I I'm glad that it happened, but I can't help but lament how much time was lost.
1: Yeah, Yeah. And I guess also like how, I mean, in the UK, for example, like the UK is looking, you know, at like decarbonize the national grid, blah, 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 it's still very much too late. And yet they still continue to exploit like internationally, Mm -hmm. right? So like, I think, like... like obviously the conversation is changing but like how is the leadership going to change around Mm -hmm. well and I don't I don't just mean like politician you know extract like processes changing but like generally like how are we actually then putting that putting those words into action and like listening to frontline communities listening to these people who you know listening to anyone who's been experiencing climate change and who's or not even climate change, but the who has been at the forefront of the exploitative processes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's still something that we're too shy to have mm-hmm. of a conversation. Well, white people, mm-hmm. we, <laughs> me. Um, <laughs> but, um, and especially, you know, in England, like, or like in the UK here, like we're so, yeah, we're so concerned now around like how are we, how are we going to do things? Not addressing actually how we continue to exploit, internationally, Mm -hmm. right? So Yeah.
2: Um, I think about that too in terms of the the fossil fuel industry, right? Because they are trying to rebrand themselves as being part of the solution. And it's like, but you are Mm -hmm. the literal problem. (laughs) You know? It's like... So, like, I I hear you in the sense that, like, we... Maybe the people who didn't cause the problem are the people who would be the ones best equipped to solve it. Um, And I think that's part of why I go after fossil fuel companies is because they just don't deserve to be part of the problem. Like, they need to be isolated, probably at The Hague. Mm, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. but I was thinking, I think that, um, like, British fossil fuel companies like British Petroleum, mm-hmm. they are, like, the the top-level greenwashers, mm-hmm. I feel mm. like. And I feel like what is holding a lot of the climate conversation back is I know people in the climate movement who would have said to me, BP needs to be part of the solution. And I'm just like, What? <laughs> I don't understand. And that shows how well their greenwashing has worked. I mean, the people that I'm talking about are not like climate justice. Act- they're people who are in the clima- climate movement mm. but don't understand yeah. climate justice. But the fact that they've managed to access people who would identify as activists, it's just like, how have we allowed their greenwashing to go this far? And that's why I'd love now to talk about green trolling (laughs) and um, bullying fossil fuel companies on Twitter. Mm. And if you want to talk about like what green trolling is, um, I feel like you are the queen of green green trolling. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
2: I coined the term. I'm not terribly happy with it because it just, you know, sounds like a leprechaun or something. Um, (laughs) um, I had to like think of it on the fly in an interview to like give voice to what it was. So the history of it is that it started with BP. Um, And I, Mm. because I talk about fossil fuels a lot on Twitter, I would get their ads in my feed. And one day I got this (laughs) ad from BP that was like, how, what are you going to do about your carbon footprint or something? And I kept trying to report it, right? Like, so I would, every time I saw a fossil fuel ad, I would report it just to fuck with them because I'm petty. And so <laughs> I saw this one. I kept trying to report it and the report kept not going through. Um, and so finally I just replied to them. and was like, bitch, what's your carbon footprint? Um, and <laughs> it, For a reply to a tweet, it went pretty viral. Um, And I was like, that actually feels a lot more satisfying than reporting Mm -hmm. their ads. And so from then on, I was like, this is a great way to channel my rage. So whenever I had a bad day, about anything, it could be because I burnt my toast, I would go and check their pages to see what they tweeted recently and say something snarky. Um, And then... Mm -hmm. It became more sustained when last year um, Exxon blocked me Um, because like (laughs) California was on fire and I was just in a terrible mood. So I went to see who had tweeted the stupidest thing most recently. And I tried to go to Exxon's page and they blocked me. And I was like, oh, I smell blood. I'm going to do this every day now. (laughs) And not going to lie, most days I, I check their pages before I brush my teeth. (laughs)
1: <laughs> because, that commitment. Yeah, it's like,
2: oh serious commitment and people are like oh how do you find the time to bully them that much how do you have the time to cyber stalk your
0: ex you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just okay. redirect it redirect your anger yeah. you know so <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and they make it so easy to bully They them, make it be yeah honest. like they make it so yeah. easy sometimes i just look through their twist threads and i'm like yeah what? Are you saying, do you really think this is okay? All you have to do, this is a very easy formula.
2: Whatever they tweeted about, Google their name and the exact opposite, right? So like Chevron Mm. will tweet about human rights. So Google Chevron human rights violations, (laughs) Mm. crimes against Mm -hmm. humanity. You will find it because they are the worst. They are the worst people. Mm. They tweet about jobs, Google their name with like worker accidents um it's Mm -hmm. it's really easy and worst case scenario just
0: like
1: tweet fuck you just make something up like they do just say
0: fuck you you know what I mean like it's so easy my I think some of my favorite ones are where you just quote tweet them and just write fuck you (laughs) (laughs) amazing. Um, and
2: the thing is they deserve it right so like every once in a Mm -hmm. while they'll become the main character on twitter and my heart sinks Like, it makes me so happy when they get ratioed um, or ratioed Mm -hmm. for people who do not live on Twitter because you're normal. um, Basically means that you get more replies than you do likes. That's how you know you've messed up because everybody's yelling at you (laughs) and no one likes you. Um, And... Also, like, you know, people might think that it's a frivolous kind of thing, but it's actually quite powerful because these Mm -hmm. companies are very concerned about their public image, about their (coughs) reputation. Um, What has allowed them to continue to function is that they have the social license to operate. People think that they are good. So that when you expose Mm -hmm. them in the public arena and what arena is more public than Twitter, um, that Mm -hmm. really cuts into their ability to trick people um, and their ability to say Mm -hmm. that like the public is on their side. Um, so if every single time they tweet something, everyone is yelling at them and telling them how horrible they are, they can't say that they're they're on the right side of history. And what's crazy is like before now, before most recently, I would go to their pages and they're saying all types of crazy things and no one is challenging them. Instead, people in climate mm-hmm. Twitter were just like fighting each other. It was like, you know, there's a better place mm-hmm. To put this. Mm, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, And yeah, they are very scared. Like I've seen them completely change their social media strategies based on this. Um, And it's different than other forums, right? So they do greenwashing Mm -hmm. on TV ads, on billboards. You can't really talk back to that. Um, Even on Instagram, you can't share links. I don't know how Facebook works anymore because I don't do it anymore, but Twitter is a perfect place to do it. Um, And even though only a small portion of the population is on Twitter, Twitter really is where the discourse is shaped. And so what happens there eventually does become part of the larger, you know, society and the way that we talk about things.
0: Yeah, definitely. Because now, especially after that... um kind of infamous shell poll where they were like what are you doing what are you Mm willing to do that one but now when you when you even google like fossil fuel companies that actually come articles about that tweet comes up quite high I didn't Um, know that and that shows the power yeah yeah because I was I was doing some research about fossil fuel companies and greenwashing and Mm -hmm. stuff and literally just writing fossil fuel companies it'll come up as like quite high and that's that shows the power of of green trolling on Twitter that you now when people are even trying to look for shell that's one of the first articles that will come up and that's with Shell having paid for obviously promoting all their own yeah. shit but that still comes up really yeah. high because that shows that there is so it, it goes off Twitter and it also means that a lot of people who might not usually know about Shell's human rights abuses of the Agoni people were learning oh, about right. that um, because of the people doing a Twitter yeah. storm um, mm-hmm. and I think that that's really powerful um, and important and I think that people can like undermine it and just say oh it's just Twitter it's not as but actually it has real, real world impacts and yeah. And yeah. also, you're so right when you're talking about um, social licensing kind of campaigns and things like that. That's something I've learned a lot about from the mm-hmm. drill podcast as well. Um, and especially how much money these companies are willing to pay in order to improve the opinion of, of people of them in, in society. And therefore, if they have so much power, we have to resist them however we yeah. can. And I do think that Twisted is somewhere where it is more democratized the amount of power that we can have as a collective mm-hmm. if we actually direct our resources towards them and telling them that they're the fucking yeah. worst and that um, we're not going to allow them to yeah. exist. Because, and, and you're so, so right as well about them saying that they're, they're scared of this because I think it mm. was probably about a year ago, maybe two years ago, um, they did this, huge um greenwashing campaign with social media influencers Mm. where it was i think it was shell it was definitely Shell, actually yeah who um the car thing paid loads of social media influencers yeah that to to travel as low carbon as possible to show that they care Uh. about the planet and zero carbon travel and they Mm. had very famous radio one djs um greg james that's you um and some other people who say they have these so who are people who People think of as having really great social consciences and things like that. Um, and they, I think it came out, they paid these, all these different individuals like a hundred thousand pounds each to do this, like this campaign. So they're willing to invest a lot mm-hmm. of money <laughs> into these greenwashing things and they care so deeply about yeah. their, their, um, image. Um, so yeah, we have to resist them and call this bullshit out wherever we can. Otherwise, they just got away yeah. with it.
2: And I, I, to go back to this idea, like, oh, people think it's just Twitter. They think it's just words. It's not really going to do anything. What's one thing that's going to do everything? There is no one action that's mm-hmm. going to solve the mm-hmm. whole thing. I could say the same thing about the solar panels on your roof. Oh, it's just one solar panel. It's not going to fix the whole problem, right? Like, there mm-hmm. is no one thing. And also, like, Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember tweeting something about, hey, you should go troll Shell or something. And somebody was like, or better yet, come to this action on this day. And it's like, girl, you know, you can do both. I can I can mm-hmm. troll Twitter on the way to your action. Um, so mm-hmm. like, <laughs> this is not an either or <laughs> sort of thing, you know, like yeah. people like to, to shit on people who do social media activism as though it's the only thing they can do. Right. Like I do Mm -hmm. that plus write essays plus do podcasts plus do a whole bunch of other things um and also it's Mm -hmm. never just words there's no such thing as just words and we're all grown enough Mm -hmm. to know that
0: also it's fun yeah yes and also it doesn't require as much energy as a lot of other things you can do it with other things it is bizarre that people seem to think that you have to do one type of activism or resistance work and that's Mm. it and and it's also weird how people put these hierarchies of this Mm -hmm. different work as if like because i see this a lot on twitter of people being like if all these social media people just like join direct action groups instead i'm like we are like at least we're both part of direct action groups as well as doing social media things you don't have to do one thing Mm. like and we shouldn't make out that everyone is is able to do one thing or that that space is accessible Mm -hmm. and is open for everyone because it's just it it, it just it feels a bit like what you're saying about how everyone in the climate movement just arguing with each other and it's like direct honestly yeah Yeah. stop
1: (laughs) arguing with each other and like just direct it at the the real problem Mm -hmm. which is you know like obviously we need to have conversations within us sure yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. but sometimes you know maybe just direct that anger at at the other exactly.
2: side. Exactly. Also, we're in a pandemic, oh. so what direct actions do, are you like wanting I'm sorry, like there's only so many direct actions to do. And there's a commute time yeah. in which I can pull out my phone and sell Chevron mm-hmm. to King Rocks.
1: And <laughs> exactly. like I think even just to break that now, narr- like they're so smart in the way that they are like viewing movements right and co-opting all of the all of the words um in their slogans they're like diversifying the just transition to carbon capture like and i'm like um yeah you're you are fucking smart you put so much effort into upholding your image like we need to outsmart you but going back to the basics like because i think Mm -hmm. sometimes we make it too complicated and like you were saying earlier like we can't be this elitist academic Mm -hmm. like all of that has placed somewhere, mm-hmm. but like to mobilize masses, we need to make it so that everybody can participate. Right. And like, just because you've written 10 academic art- articles doesn't mean you are smarter or, you know, you're better at trolling the fossil fuel company mm-hmm. than, you know, someone on, like it doesn't matter. And also like both can exist. Right. Yeah. So like, I think sometimes just disrupting these like narratives of, of even even if it doesn't change one thing today, maybe it changes the narratives of like the ten right. followers you have, and mm. then
2: yeah, that mm.
1: mobilizes right. right. Like, I
2: think a lot of people thought when I first started doing it that I thought that my responses to BP and Exxon was going to change their behavior. And <laughs> It's mm, like, mm. of course I don't think that they're bad faith actors. Of course they are not going to mm. like see I, like they. I think a lot of people um, also didn't want to speak. To them or like participate in it because they thought they were getting in a debate directly with BP. You're not you're looking Mm. you're targeting BP's audience. And the goal is not to debate Mm. them to show them charts and all these like they know those charts. They knew that science before you did. And so that's not the point here. The point is to expose them as hypocrites and as villains of this story. Mm-hmm. And they know that already. You don't need to prove that to them. The point is to clown mm. them into the fucking ground to other people. Mm. And it's, it's also a way of like bringing the Black aesthetic to the climate movement because <laughs> yes. nobody drags like it's Black it's Twitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so like that is part of my personal tradition um and i wanted to bring that to this and like people think that climate activism has to be depressing and it has to be so serious it doesn't it doesn't you can clown these people you can make fun of them and you can have fun doing it um and then you can go be serious in another space
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can do both. We can all do both. Yeah. It's very possible yeah. for us to do both. Um and yeah. it's important. I just think it's important for them to I think you said this in a hot take podcast recently, you're saying, um, how you just want them all to have a bad day, like every <laughs> like all these <laughs> these all people the time. like like all overtime. the time
2: yeah, i never I want do. them to have a good day on twitter um we actually we recently did a episode on prisons um on hot take that's going to come out this weekend and oh, so one of the things, mm-hmm. yeah I, I i consider myself a budding prison abolitionist i don't know enough about restorative justice to like fully articulate my vision for that mm-hmm. but i don't the only group of people that i've do still want to go to prison Our fossil fuel executives i'm sorry i'm mm. not there yet mm. i'm not there yet so i don't think i can fully call myself a prison abolitionist because
1: i want them at the hague honestly <laughs> this is me with like when because i'm like l- Pretty patel boys johnson all of you like l- i want to see you locked up i want to see you behind yeah. bars whilst being like i'm actually against prisons but whilst we have the system might as well put the right people in it
0: I, I I heard um, recently that apparently Pretty Patel is trying to use decommissioned oil rigs as um, like detention centers for asylum seekers and migrants. Oh fuck! Like, off. doesn't that sound like something Democratic. that someone would make up as the worst thing to be possible? It's just like she's just like, how can I make everything that's evil come together mm. and what make it worse? Um, Pris- she's the Home Secretary of the UK, so oh
2: boy, I know. Yeah. Know,
0: Real, real yeah. bad. Like yeah. what? I know, yeah. just absolutely they're, horrific. So there are some real horrific people in the world.
2: Yeah, they're doing that here too. Actually, the first uh, child detention center under Biden just opened, and it's in an oil man camp.
1: Oh my gosh! Yeah,
0: I mean the men aren't there worlds? anymore, but yeah. The worst worlds just colliding, yeah, and making something even worse. It's just, but I think, like you know, like all of these
1: like executives of fossil fuel industry, I feel like they could, they they should go there, like and see what it's like. Go and not leave. Stay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. This is this is your legacy. Have it.
2: Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm not there yet with my prison abolition, and I, frankly, I feel like there's a lot lot more to go through before i get there and i might not get there before i die and i'm okay with that
0: mm-hmm. i'm well, really excited to listen to that episode yeah I'm really me too to yeah. To that episode. yeah
2: yeah that sounds amazing yeah yeah it'll be out sunday mm. Right, exciting
0: So we could end this um, on just quickly, maybe saying how would you say to someone else like how could they ch- channel their climate rage? Or if someone is maybe kind of in a in a time where they're feeling a lot of rage and not knowing what to do with it, um, what would be something that you'd say to that person? That person's probably me as well. <laughs> <Not> gonna...
2: <laughs> yep. Um, I mean, my advice is always uh, to to start writing. Mm -hmm. Like I think writing out your rage and why you're angry is just really useful exercise and clarifying for yourself. Not everybody is a writer. And I recognize that. So some people are are painters. Some people do not do creative outlets at all. Um, And they just like go on rage walks or something totally different. And that's fine. Um, a lot of my climate rage gets out and running and things that like no one else ever sees. Um, I would also suggest, you know, fueling that into other pursuits. Like, I mean, if you've got a Twitter account, why not Green Troll? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, if you've got, um, if you're able to go to direct actions, then why not do that? Um, lobby for climate friendly um Policies or politicians, join a campaign, run for office yourself, find a way to try to change things. Um, But if you're dealing with any emotions around climate change at all, I suggest strongly finding a community Mm -hmm. um, of other people who are processing it and facing it, because... The worst thing about climate grief is when you think you're experiencing it alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so you're if you're in climate rage now, that means that one day you're going to be in climate despair and you're going to need people that you can reach out to to process that even in climate rage. That can be a really lonely place. Mm -hmm. Um, So just. Find, find a community of other people that you can process this with. You do not have to carry it alone. It's literally the weight of the world and it will crush you
0: if you carry it along. Yeah, I think that's so right, especially mm. sharing it. And that's why I think community is, is so important. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I think this last year has been really hard for so many of us because mm. we've been detached from a lot of our communities. Um, yeah. But I know that when I'm feeling like intense rage which then does usually like lead on to despair in some way
1: mm-hmm.
0: if I and share numbness, that with yeah. someone then mm-hmm. I f- it feels so much better because mm-hmm. I think there is a point in which I know that when I'm feeling rage sometimes I'll just be like I don't want to talk to anyone else about this because no one else feels like I do or no one else mm-hmm. will understand and people will just dismiss my rage and tell me I shouldn't feel it um but yeah. actually there's a point at which that rage can just burn you completely out if you don't yeah share that with someone if you're not like in kind of relationship with someone else who's also can share in that or can feel it. And even if that's just like expressing that rage online in some way, that's a way that you can find community, especially if you maybe Mm -hmm. if this is someone listening who doesn't know people and who care about this stuff. Um, Yeah. I just think that I just really want to like encourage people that if you hold it in, it can burn you dry. Mm -hmm. Like you can end up completely burnt out and that's also not helpful. So I think rage is something that should be respected and should be like allowed and amazing and it can do so many great things but don't let it burn all that is with you and don't let it steal your joy because I think that yeah you mm-hmm. should, should still be allowed to, like there are horrific things going on in the world but I still think everyone should be allowed to like have a space to also feel joy every now and then otherwise what kind of future are we kind of working towards if we can't feel like a bit of it now mm-hmm. is what I yeah try and think yeah
2: yeah, I, th- I think that's also why podcasts are so important in the climate mm-hmm. space. Um, I feel like there's been a boom of them in the past couple of years. Um, and I think that's really important because it helps to normalize the conversation. Um, it helps people to feel a lot less alone because I think, you know, there have been climate change podcasts before, but they were all very scientific, yeah. um, pretty rigid, all about like the the technical solutions to it. Um, and now they're about all sorts of different things, right? Like on mm-hmm. Hot Take, we do media criticism. There are others on like spirituality and Mm -hmm. you guys are like doing activism. There's so many different ways to talk about this. Um, And people feel really close to podcast hosts, you know, like it it really does. Like it kind of like breaks that fourth wall. You feel like you're part of this conversation with your friends and that just really helps people to feel a lot less alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's, that's really important. So in addition to finding your community, find your podcasts, (laughs) share them with other people um, um is make it less of a taboo thing to talk about um if you're feeling climate rage you should definitely read um the case for climate rage by
0: amy westerville and you will not feel alone mm. again
2: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah i definitely feel that with podcasts that um that meme that's just like someone sitting in front of um a poster of friends laughing and it's like me listening to a podcast so yeah i yeah. do feel yeah. like that is so really <laughs> but also like I find my people they They don't know me but here I am yeah (laughs) yeah That like days when I feel really overwhelmed by climate things or I'm just feeling really pissed off or like angry or whatever I can listen to hot take or I can listen to a different like podcast about justice and I'll just Mm -hmm. be like there are other people who care and they can make me laugh as well like Mm -hmm. and it can be this kind of yeah a sharing of that grief even if you don't like directly know these people so that's really yeah that's that's really great and that's why yeah mm. podcasts are so great we only started this podcast like a year and a half ago um mm-hmm. and even in that time so many others have popped up and yeah i think yeah. it's just it's really great because i i want uh, i think you guys also talked about some hot, hot take but i want it to be that we're so saturated with climate change podcasts and climate that there's one for everyone because the climate yeah, crisis exactly. affects everyone all different types of people and there will never really be enough climate change podcasts because there are loads of different types of people. Right, um, right. Mary, oh. thank you so much for um, being here. We have loved yeah. this. You've made us laugh. You've made us feel things. <laughs> yeah. It's been great. <laughs> I've enjoyed this so much. I knew I was going to enjoy it so yeah. much. Like Joe and I both were just like, this we're is like, going to be ready. amazing. Yeah. yeah, we're ready. Um, this has been an absolute joy. Um and Yeah, this is s- fun. Yeah, we're so grateful that you you come on the podcast. I yeah. can't wait to watch you troll more people on Twitter and more uh, yeah. people for some industries. <laughs> <laughs> um and I will be joining in all the way. Yeah, we'll um, all be yeah. here.
2: Yeah. Yep. And yeah, everyone's have to go check
1: too?
0: Yeah, yeah join along
2: <laughs> yeah i'm about to check their twitter right now because uh, <laughs> we started a little bit too early for me to do it before this um so yeah i'm gonna go check right now the daily ritual
1: <laughs> i love it enjoy well yeah. yeah enjoy and thank you so much for coming on our podcast really means a lot um thank you and yeah
0: all so much for listening we hope you enjoyed that episode as much as we did we had such a good laugh and a great time and oh, i want to have mary on like
1: every week honestly and i think also with everything that's been happening i feel like i just really love to have this chat about just rage uh-huh. and just be in this tiny ass community and just be like yeah this all sucks like fuck it. Yeah. but we we continue, you know? And I think, yeah, I don't know. I loved and now I feel actually like I've done... I've had a good outlet for my rage. So now I might just go on
0: Twitter and continue that. Yeah, I feel so motivated to just go and send some tweets to yeah. Chevron and Shell and BP. Like, yeah. I I, hey. I just feel like it was a really healing conversation for oh, me, no. which probably... Yeah probably wasn't the intention but it was great um we hope that you all enjoyed it as much as we did um
1: definitely um follow mary um on the twitters we put um all of the links and everything in the show notes and definitely as we said listen to the podcast um listen to or like subscribe to their newsletters as as well and um yeah and thank you also to the patrons
0: um that make our show possible and sustain this show If you're interested in joining the Patreon and supporting the show, um, the details are in the show notes. I have been Michaela Loach, one of your co-hosts. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at Michaela Loach.
1: And I've been Josephine Becker and I'm Treece and Peace on Instagram and Josephine Becker on Twitter.
0: And uh, thank you to Finlay Moed for all the sound magic. Please um, give this podcast a five-star rating wherever you're listening to it and make sure to subscribe. It helps the podcast reach more people. And um, we'll see you next week.